guilty. Okay, these are the psukim. It says in the parasha of Kitavo, in the parasha of Kitavo, this is our parasha. Ba'itzav Moshe v'zikdei Yitzhah'el et ha'am le'mor, shamor et kol ha'mitzvah sh'enochi v'tzavet chemayom. This is a kind of an introduction that is repeated again and again in the book of, of Dvarim. Shamor et kol ha'mitzvah. That you should keep the, keep the mitzvah, watch them. Introduction. Now what mitzvah in particular is dealt with in these psukim? This is a mystery. This pasuk is a mystery, even though it sounds like Sounds like it says the following. You have to put up stones. Besadeta otam besid. Sid, we know when I was a kid, I didn't know what Sid was. But if you live in Israel, every wall in the country is covered with Sid, right? What is Sid? Uh, limestone, whitewash, whitewash they call it, Lime right? Seed, yeah. What? Limestone, yeah. Yeah, you know, the stuff that they paint the walls with in Israel, you paint the stones. Now, why did they paint, why did God say paint, paint the stones? I suppose because of the next pasuk, This is called a non sequitur. This is a pasuk, two parts, don't follow each other. They don't fit together. What does the beginning say? You write on them, on the stones, all the words of the Torah, Hazot, right? The word of pointing. What exactly God is pointing to is not clear. Ba'avrecha, right? As you go across. You're across the other side of the Jordan, I guess. Ba'avrecha, lemana in order that you would come to Eretz Yisrael. Well, I mean, they've already come to Eretz Yisrael. They're going to come. Uh, it says, when you pass into Eretz Yisrael, you do this. You set up these stones and you write the Torah on these stones. Now, this is a machloket, a machloket for Shim. What is Exactly, they are commanded to write. To say to write the whole Torah on these stones seems a little bit unreasonable. Uh, like, uh, it's a lot to write. And it's a big deal, it's a big enterprise. We never heard of anybody doing any of this. So, Rav Sadyagon, Rav Sadyagon, quoted by the Ibn Ezra, Rav Sadyagon said, no, it means you just write the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are, you know that Rav Sadyagon wrote a book um, showing how all of the 613 commandments come from the Ten Commandments. So it could be that that's what he meant. He meant you write the preci of the Torah. And the preci of the Torah is the Ten Commandments. That's what Rav Sadyagon thought in the way that he thought it. Apparently... You know, in the Gemara it says, in the Gemara it says that you shouldn't say, Aserita Debrot, after you finish davening. 
apparently there was such a custom. They would say the Aseret HaDibrot. So why didn't the Gemara want you to say it? Because by that time, the issue in the Gemara was, is there a Torah that's more important than other Torah or not? And the Chachamim were against that. They were against this idea of saying there is more important Torah and less important. It was all the same. So they didn't want you to say the Aseret HaDibrot. They didn't want you to say the Aseret HaDibrot after after Tefillah. But by the time Rav Sadjagon came along, he thought that the Aseret HaDibrot, you could understand why in the in Matan Torah only the Aseret HaDibrot were given to Bnei Yisrael. Right? Matan Torah means Vav Sivan. Whatever happened on Vav Sivan, which today we call Shavuot, Right, what happened on that day? They got the Ten Commandments one way or the other. Chazal say that they only heard the first two commandments, but when the Moshe Rabbeinu came down, he taught everybody all the Ten, all the Ten Commandments. So there's no doubt that the Ten Commandments would seem like, you know, hard to deny that the Ten Commandments have some special importance. So the way that Rav Sajigon understood that importance was that they include, the Aseret Debrot, include all of the mitzvot of the Torah. Everything in the Torah comes from, everything in the Torah comes from the Aseret uh, Debrot. What's the name of the book? Which? It's Rav Sajigon Ala Torah. Rav Sajigon Ala, there is no book. Rav Sajigun Ala Torah was put out by somebody. I think it may have been put out by Kappa originally. And it collects all the things that are quoted in his name, right, by others. And that's how you get Rav Sajigun, you know, Rav Sajigun Ala Torah. So he, he, so one opinion is, a minimalist opinion, that they wrote the Asarita Debrot. How they wrote the Asarita Debrot on 12 stones. I don't get that e- either. There's also a question about the Sadata Otam Besid. Sadata Otam Besid, I mean, why, why did God say that? Why do you have to put this lime on it, this limestone on it, or whitewash on the, uh, on the stones? Uh, well, it could be because then you could read it better. But if you have a white background and you chisel out the letters and you, you know, like they do today in gravestones, they, you chisel out the letters and then they blacken the chiseled out part so that you see it better. You could, so it could be that this is also, also the same. In order to see it better, in order to see it better, they, the God said, put the limestone. But there are opinions that Kedat Yitzchak for example, Rabbi Yitzhakar Ramah, who says that, no, no, they, they wrote it, and then they covered it with limestone. So I guess that you could see it, in other words, the indented part would look different than the other part, right, the, the limestone part. But it's not clear, it's not clear what this means, and it's not clear why God commanded B'nai Yisrael, why God commanded B'nai Yisrael to do it. Let's read the, the rest of the Pesukim. Pasuk Gimel, v'chatavta alev kol devei Torah, zot v'avrecha leman asher tavol la'aretz Hashem, Hashem v'lokech tei mechayret zavat chalav v'dvash, k'asher devei Hashem v'lokecha elokei avotecha lach. 
So it's not clear what exactly the connection. I mean, the, the, the Jewish people have had a lot of difficulty getting from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael, and they are finally coming to Eretz Yisrael. So what does the Torah mean when it says, in order that you should come to Eretz Yisrael, do this? What is that got to do? I mean, they've already received the Torah. They've been taught by Moshe Rabbeinu for 38 years. They have uh, indicated their willingness to go to Eretz Yisrael, even though the first time around they weren't so so willing. So what what possible um, what possible role do these stones and the written Torah on these stones uh, uh, play? Uh, you know that there are two mountain ridges outside of Shechem. One is Eval and one is Grizim. Now we have in the Torah met up with this already in the parasha of Re'eh, where it says Brachar and Klala. Eval, Grizim. Right, so Eval, here Eval is mentioned, Eval is, is the northern one, the one to the north, and Grisim is the one to the south, and the one to the north is considered the one that's further away, and the one that's the negative one. So the, the, that's what the Pasuk uh, says. And then after, after all of that, you should build a, a, an altar of stones. Lo tanif alehem barzel. You should not use iron to cut the stones into a shape. Right? Anybody who lives in Yerushalayim knows that there are two kinds of stones. Right? The ones that have a shape and the ones that don't seem to have a shape, even though they're more or less the same same size. So when it comes to the bizbeach, the halacha as we see at the end of, of the parasha of, uh, of Yitro, right? And here again, the Mizbech that was built in the Beit HaMikdash was not built of hewn stones. So you could say whatever you want. I mean, it sounds like Barzel is a, is, is weapon, it's a kind of a weapon, you know, iron was used for, you know, as a weapon in those in those days. So maybe that's why. But this is not, that's not the main uh, uh, force of what is going on here. Pasuk, Pasuk Vav. Avarim shleimot tivnet abizbech Hashem alokecha va'aleita alav olot l'Hashem alokecha. So everybody knows Everybody knows that when the Mishkan was built, what was forbidden? What was forbidden? Uh, Bamot. Right? A Bama is an individual, personal altar. That became, before the Mishkan was built in the desert, you could sacrifice anywhere. Right? You could sacrifice in your own backyard. And then you would have meat to eat, because every sacrifice that you give in your own backyard, part of it goes to God and part of it goes to man, whoever's giving the sacrifice. So that from the desert, from the desert, 
the Mishkan moved to Gilgal. And from Gilgal, the Mishkan moved to Shiloh. Now, when the Mishkan was in Gilgal, when the Mishkan was in, uh, right, when the Mishkan was in Gilgal, Shudei Chutz or Bamot were permitted. Were permitted. And here, uh, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, when you put up the stones, I guess in Harevau, then you're going to build a Mizbeach. Now that Mizbeach in Shechem, in spite of the, of the protestations of the Samaritans, you know the Samaritans? They're the ones who thought they were Jewish, but they were halachically not Jewish. It means they didn't go through a process of conversion. And those Samaritans, those Samaritans, when either because they were kicked out by the Jews, kicked out of Yerushalayim, or some other reason, thought that the center of Jewish worship should be in, in Shechem. That's the Samaritans. The Samaritans thought that Shechem was the main city. And because they, it, it, there were two kinds of reasons. One is, as you know, um, as you know, Yerushalayim is not mentioned in the Torah. Now, it's a little hard for us to grab onto, but it's true. There is no mention of the city of Yerushalayim, except for Malki Tzedek, Bela, he was the king of Shalem, which was probably Yerushalayim, because in Sumerian, Sumerian, you remember Sumerian? Sumerian is a non-Semitic language, that preceded, culturally preceded Babylonian. So they used to write, they used to write by designating words. What kind of word is it? So in Sumerian, the word Uru, you, which is written today, you know, the scholars, who like to, all scholars like to have a secret language that leaves other people out. So the word Uru, U-R-U, means city. So Yerushalayim is really the city, Shalem. So if, if you, on a technicality, you could claim that Yerushalayim is mentioned in the, in the Torah, but it's not mentioned as the city of the future, or the place that we're going to go to, or the place... The only thing that is mentioned is Haramoria. Right? Haramoria is the way, the place where Akedat Yisrach took place, and that happens to be in Yerushalayim, and the place of the Beit HaMikdash. But the name Yerushalayim doesn't appear in the, in the book of, of, in the books of the Torah, except for this reference to Shalem, which is certainly Yerushalayim. I mean, I'm not arguing the case of just saying Yerushalayim, the word that we know, does not appear does not appear anywhere in the in the Torah. So along comes uh, along comes the pasuk. We're almost finished, and it says, "Avanim shleimot ivnet mizbeach Hashem lokech va'aleit alav olot la'Hashem lokechus olot sacrifices sacrifices that were brought probably at the time that the Mishkan was in Gilgal, and during that time you were allowed to bring sacrifices in Bamot.
וזבחת שלמים ואכלת שם ושמחת לפני השם אלוקיך, you also have the, the, uh, the idea of ושמחת. ושמחת is, is a word that is applied to doing things right. ושמחת לפני השם אלוקיך. Right, the Rambam always makes that distinction between simcha and holalut. Simcha is good, and holalut uh, means a wild action, you know, like drunkenness. That's bad. So v'samachta lefnei Hashem elokecha means that it's the cause of the simcha is the lefnei Hashem elokecha. Because you're standing before God, you could have simcha. V'chatavta alavadim it kol derei Torah azot bereitev. And therefore, kol derei Torah azot bereitev. You see Rashi. Rashi, I don't know what that means. I mean, you know, 70 languages. I'm not sure what that means. I have no idea. I have no idea what Chachamim thought that that meant. However, because they said that the words Be'er Hetev meant Shivim Lashon, you remember in Dvarim, Perik Aleph, Pasuk Hey, O'il Moshe. O'il Moshe, what? Oel Moshe, something at the Torah Hazot. What? Be'er Hetev. Right, that Moshe Rabbeinu Be'er Hetev. So in the Gemara, the Gemara says, What did he put the Shibim Lashon? So there must have been stones that he put it on. And therefore, it turns out that according to the, to the Gemara, these stones, or the idea of stones being built that have the Torah on them, first there was Arvot Moab, Arvot Moab. Arvot Moab is the last place east of the Jordan River, east of the Jordan River that the Jews were when Moshe Rabbeinu died. Moshe Rabbeinu died in Arvot Moab. And that was where he gave his last commands to Bnei Yisrael, including, his last commands, including Be'er Hetev. Shivim Lashon. So the second time, the second time they set up these stones was in the Jordan River itself. We see in the, if, if you looked in Yoshua, Perik Dalit, you'd see the story of setting up the stones in the Jordan River. And then finally, uh, this is not so clear that they took the stones out of the Jordan, uh, more stones, not those, and they brought them to Harival and they set them up. But it doesn't say in the book of Yoshua any place that they wrote anything on those stones. So according to the Chacham, according to the Gemara, there are three sets of stones, minimally. Maybe four, but three without a doubt. One is Avot Moab, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. The second is in the Jordan River itself, they set up stones. And the third is they took stones from the Jordan River, Yoshua Binun, and he took them to Hareval to do this mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told them to do. If you look at Pasuk Bet, Rashi mentions this fact. See, Vakemot Alacha. Avadim Gidolat, so it says in the Pasuk, Vayaba Yomashet Havruat Ayardain, Visaditotam Besid. Rashi says, Biardain, Vakemot, I will set them up for you in the Jordan, in the river itself. And 
Mimtzeit ata omer. Rashi says, from this we derive. Here he's quoting the Gemara and Sota. Gemara and Sota, Daf Lama Dalad Abed Bet. The Gemara and Sota says, Mimtzeit ata omer gimel minei avanim ayu. Shnei masab yardain. Uchenegdam be Gilgal. Uchenegdam behar eval. So Rashi has a different way of listing the three. He says, Yardain, Gilgal. You remember Gilgal? It's the first place really that they came to after Yericho. If you drive today to the Beit Shan on, the, on that road, whatever it's called. Krishabika. Right, Krishabika. The first sign you come to after Yericho, after you pass by Yericho, is Gilgal. There's, there's a yeshuv that's built, you know, that's maybe 10 kilometers, or maybe 15 kilometers, north of Yericho, Gilgal. That's where B'nai Yisrael went. They went from Yericho to Gilgal. I'm not sure where exactly Gilgal was, but it must have been in that area, in the area where you see, where you see that sign. So according to Rashi, According to Rashi, there were three sets of stones that the Chachamim recognized. One was in the Jordan. The second was they took stones from the Jordan to build a, a Mizbeach in uh, Har Eval. And the third was the, the setting up the stones in Har Eval. According to the Gemara, there's another possibility. And that possibility has to do with Be'er Hetev. Be'er Hetev, to 70 languages that Moshe Rabbeinu also set up stones on which to uh, to build so um, it, it's hard to know what what this story is talking about it's hard to find in the uh, it's hard to find in the Torah a hook that we could like, grab onto and say A equals B and that'll help us somehow to understand but I think that if we are a little bit liberal about it, we can understand it based on the following story. You remember that Yaakov Avinu is running away from Lavan. Lavan, his close relative and great supporter. But Yaakov Avinu had had it. He didn't want to stay anymore, so he ran away. And in running away, there was a subplot which had something to do with idols. Lavan had a ta'ana against Yaakov Avinu. He had several ta'anot, but one ta'ana that he had was that his, his idols were missing. Uh, I can imagine that somebody who feels that this is very important could be annoyed by this. So Lavan came to, uh, to Yaakov Avinu and said, Where are my idols? And then you know the story that Rachel took the idols for whatever reason. The story doesn't make sense. Usually we say that Rachel was sort of a heroine because she took the idols. But it's not clear why she kept the idols. Not clear that, you know, it's true that she sat on the ground and said that uh, that she's a menstruating woman and she can't get up and the idols were somehow hidden under the under her address and so Lavan and so Lavan was somehow appeased okay you don't have I see you don't have them 
In other words, there's like the sub-story, which is the story of Rachel. And we don't understand that story. I mean, what was her point of saving the idols for herself? Okay. After that story, after that story, Lavan and Yaakov sort of make peace. And Yaakov says, I'm going back to Eretz Yisrael. And Lavan is going back to his uh, homeland. Now, at that time, at that time, what they did, Lavan and Yaakov, was that they, they set up a stone. And that stone is called in Hebrew, Gal Eid. The word Gal means either a stone or a pile of stones. But I mean, it's, it's a standing stone. It's, it's like something you could see. And an aid, an aid is a witness. So that the stone is witness to something. And what the stone is a witness to, I mean, of course, it's also stated in Aramaic, right? You remember Yagar Sahaduta. Sahaduta is Aramaic for, for witness. And Yagar is a pile of, pile of stones. So in there, in those words, in those words you have, these two ideas, a witness and stones that are visible, that you could see. Now, what was it that these stones were witness to? What was the, the, the message of the stones? Well, the message of the stones were, was that the spiritual border between Lavan, the idolater, and Yaakov, the the one who believed in God, was at that place. That was where the spiritual border was. And anybody who came to that place would somehow know what the point of it was. Now, years and years ago, I saw, in in America, but America is not so old, but in Pennsylvania, people who owned large tracts of land but wanted to distinguish my tract from yours, would put up boundary stones. And the boundary stones would contain a minimum of information that was relevant to the question of who owned the land. So this is, I mean, that's only a couple of hundred years old, but I mean, it seems that from time immemorial, stones which were considered to be... um, very difficult to destroy. But they were, they lasted. Uh, if you wanted to say, if you wanted to say, here's the boundary. So you would do it by putting up stones. Not along the whole boundary, that was impossible. But you could put up a stone with an arrow. And say, everything from here on belongs to me. And everything beyond, before that, belongs to him. So that what Yaakov and Lavan were doing, what Yaakov and Lavan were doing were delineating Eretz Yisrael. Even though it's true Yaakov was not yet in Eretz Yisrael, but it's as though the spirit of Eretz Yisrael, the point of Eretz Yisrael, the idea of Eretz Yisrael, which was a denial of idolatry, took place from that, from that point where they agreed upon Gal That was Eretz Yisrael, and everything before that, out of that, was not Eretz Israel and belonged to 
I belong to Lavan. So you see, if this if this is true, if this is true, and 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 if Am Yisrael wanted to announce the fact that Eretz Yisrael was now Eretz Yisrael, after all, Eretz Yisrael at that time was the seed of idolatry. Right? That's that's all there was in Eretz Yisrael. There were no no from Yidden in Eretz Yisrael. There were only idolaters. So when Bnei Yisrael came to Eretz Yisrael, they wanted to say, they wanted to say, we are turning this place into the place of Yaakov Avinu. And the place of Yaakov Avinu was, was Galate. That's That was Yaakov Avinu. And how did they do that? By delineating the borders. They put up stones in uh, uh you know, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe put, put, put up these stones in, uh, where did he put up the stones? Moshe Rabbeinu, Avod Moav. He put up the stones, which was then at the border, which led to Eretz Israel, and then the eastern border of Eretz Israel, which was uh, the Yericho and, and the Jordan River, and then the northern border of Eretz Israel, which was at the time Shem. I mean, it's true that geographically it's not some kind of complete, but in terms of the people knowing, in terms of um, the, the, the nations of the world knowing that Eretz Yisrael was being turned into the home of the Jews, or the home of the spiritual homeland of God, that would be sufficient. It was an announcement. It wasn't a teaching method. It wasn't that B'nai Yisrael were going to teach all the nations of the world the Torah, but that all the nations of the world would now know that the the stones delineated the spiritual uh, content of er, of Eretz Israel. Okay, so now let's learn the let's learn the uh, the Kedushas later. Is this a Kedushas later? Kedushas later. Rav Levi Yitzchok Baditchev. You know that Rav Levi Yitzchok was a great. Uh, protagonist for Am Yisrael. He tried always to justify Am Yisrael, and he said that even though they may not formally deserve divine mercy, but God wants to be merciful and wants to give them the mercy. So he was uh, he was considered to be the great protector of uh, of Am Yisrael. So look what he writes about this question. Remember the question is again, I, I gave you a, a, perhaps an answer about the stones and what they were doing and why you put them up and why you had so many of them, right? And, and it was, it was sort of an announcement. There was something there, just like if you came to, to the Galade that Yaakov and Lavan put up so you would know from here to the right, that's Lavan. From here to the left, that's, that's Yaakov. And that meant the place where uh, eventually, there would be no idolatry. That's what it meant. So here we have, here we have uh, the Kedusha's Levi. Look at the Kedusha's Levi. It says, "Katafta al Havadi." He called the Brayta Razot Berayteiv. Ayem Berashi Zal Berayteiv. Look at Rashi. What does Rashi say? Bishivim Lashon. Right? See, I and I is seventy in in the numerical equivalent. He says, I don't understand. Why did God think 
it was so important to write the Torah down at this time in 70 languages. You see in parentheses, the first Rashi. Remember the first Rashi? Right, Rashi says, well, how, why doesn't the Torah start with mitzvot? Right? What? Amar Rav Yitzchak. Amar Rav Yitzchak. is not Rav Yitzchak, but it's Tanchuma Yashan. Because people thought that Rav Yitzchak was Rashi's father. But this is not the case. Just for I didn't know you. This is not the case. It comes from Tanchuma Yashan, which was then called in modern times, it was called uh, uh, Buber's Tanchuma. You know, Martin Buber's grandfather was a great collector of uh, books and publisher. Of, well, he, was a, he was a big Talmud Chacham. But the name Buber became associated with not being a Talmud Chacham. So they went back to calling it Tanchuma Yashan. Like the people who printed the book, Eshkol, Eshkol printed it. So they didn't like, they didn't want to call it Boober because people might mistake it, mistakenly think it was Martin Boober, where it was Shlomo Boober. Shlomo Boober is the one who, who put it out. So let's go back again. What does Rashi say there? Right? Kedei Shelo Yomru Vechulei. Heim Omrim Lehem Kol Haaretz Vechulei. So, what was it that was going on? What was so important that the Torah should start from Breshit Baralukim? So, if you look at the Rashi there, which unfortunately I did not, uh, I didn't print, but Rashi says, Rashi says, what's going to happen? The Goyim who live in Eretz Israel, the Goyim who live in Eretz Israel, they're going to come to the Jews. I mean, I know this is going to strike some of you as familiar. They're going to come to the Jews. And they're going to say to them, they're going to say to them, listim atem, you're robbers. Why, why, uh, why is that the argument that's going to do us in? What do you mean you're robbers? Why are they robbers? Well, they would say this, we seven nations in Canaan, well, who put us into Canaan? Must have been God. God must put us into Canaan. So if God put us into Canaan, where do you get the right to take us out of Canaan? To battle us. You come in the name of God. But we are also here in the name of God. That was the, that's the argument of listing. What's the counter argument? The lesson that even though God created the world, and God made the world as it is, things could change. There could be a change. That's what Rashi says. And that's why the first chapters of Breshit are the most important chapters of all, because they enable us, ultimately, to go to Eretz Yisrael. That's what Rashi says. I didn't say that. Right? You, that Eretz Yisrael is a function of Breshit. Of Breshit. The fact that, that the people who do live there, and we don't deny that, the seven nations live there, I could go live there for a long time, nevertheless, they never really... They never really achieve ba'alut. They don't have ownership. Because that's a decision that rests with God. Who actually owns, who actually owns Eretz Yisrael? That he says, uh, so no, uh, nitla mehem, nitna lanu. 
so God can take it away from them and give it to us. That's the lesson of Breshit. Hapshat Pashut. This is Rav Levi Yitzchak. Pshat Pashut means Pshat very. Right? What exactly that means to him was something you'd have to talk about. But he says, Hapshat Pashut, Kevanshi Yisrael Kiblua Torah. Right, since Yisrael received the Torah. It's very interesting. Like he's explaining why Matan Torah could not have taken place in Eretz Yisrael. Why it had to take place in the middle of nowhere. Because in order to come to Eretz Yisrael, you had to have the Torah, according to the Baditra. You had to have you had to have the Torah. Right? That's interesting. So the Baditra sees it as being an advertisement. Like when we come to Eretz Israel, we're gonna say it's ours because of the Torah. Because we accepted the Torah, Eretz Yisrael could also be ours, and that's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu promised. And since a Kodesh Baruch Hu promised that, and since you see we've accepted the Torah, we have the Torah, there's no reason for you to disagree, to fight, to go to the international agencies and try to say listimatem. All of that is not is not possible. Kik al sheloki bluha Torah kol haalmot. So now he refers to that well-known, that well-known Chazal. Chazal say, Chazal say that Bnei Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael were the only ones willing to accept the Torah. And every, all the other nations of the world rejected the Torah. So you say, so you say to all these nations of the world, since we, since we are able to, uh, since we have accepted the demands of the Torah, the demand of the Torah, and the demand of the Torah, the demand of the Torah enables us to go to Eretz Israel and to inherit that land, and everybody would understand, you know, everybody will understand. So that Rashi's theology. Rashi's own theology, according to the Baditshuva, included the fact that all the people in the world understood that when it came to Eretz Yisrael, the Jews had superiority. And if they didn't understand it, you could explain it to them. You explain to them, it's a little radical to put up these stones and write the Torah on it. Remember, I, I told you, we don't know how much of the Torah we had to write, but the idea of the Torah being accepted by B'nai Yisrael, according to the Baditshuva, was sufficient to grant us dominion in Eretz Yisrael. Okay. Have a good Shabbos. <laughs> I know it's a little early, but... As I said, I had the flu.